Hey, welcome back to the channel. My name is Seem and uh, today we're doing another Instagram Q&A. If you want to ask yourself a question from me, then make sure you follow me on Instagram at Seemlund, where I do those Q&As regularly. Do it. <clears throat> All right, first question. Top three best tips for health. Well, I think the most important thing and number one thing is probably uh, regular exercise. So that's going to, you know, the most beneficial thing for anti-aging and overall metabolic health and just fitness overall. Your quality of life will be better. Your mood will be better. So that's definitely the number one. Both cardio and uh, resistance training would be categorized there. Number two would be to get adequate sleep. So uh, sleep at least seven to eight hours. And number three would be circadian rhythm alignment. So um, make, sure, make sure you stick to the uh, circadian rhythms. I think that's going to be, yeah, my top three for best uh, tip overall if everything else would um, stay the same but you follow these three tips and yeah you will see an improvement in your health for sure uh, next question creatine supplementation to women same as men five grams a daily or uh, one dose or better to split <clears throat> so i do think that uh, yeah if you're let's say you weigh less you're a female or yeah you weigh less like you weigh less than 70 kilograms or something then probably five grams is too much for you uh maybe you would get away with two three grams for sure um so yeah i would i would stick to that and from a dosage perspective then uh, it doesn't make sense to split it up that much you can just take it in one uh dose it's kind of easier and uh, the best time usually is after a workout but uh, any time is really kind of you know uh, good enough still ideas of why ferritin levels would drop although diet is mostly meat and eggs uh, so yeah ferritin levels they are iron levels generally they can uh, stay low if you're not getting enough copper so you need copper for pretty much absorbing iron and uh, producing hemoglobin so uh, yeah you need copper from liver, mostly oysters, dark chocolate, beans are copper sources. Uh, you could also be gelating too much iron. So if you're a female, that's uh, common. If you're drinking coffee, that can also do it. So uh, yeah, those are um, things to look out for. Next question, is turmeric okay post-workout or does the inflammatory effect negatively affect muscle gains? <laughs> so uh, yeah, like you may know that taking a cold shower or an ice bath after a workout resistance training workout that is that can be um, counterproductive for muscle growth and the same applies to these anti-inflammatories like uh, turmeric and um, berberine which isn't an anti-inflammatory but it does suppress mTOR um, but yeah like these high dose anti-inflammatories like high dose vitamin C uh, that can also um, NAC after workout can also affect the muscle growth negatively. So yeah, you don't want to take these anti-inflammatories after the workout. You want to let the natural inflammatory process to um, go through, and uh, you want to take the anti-inflammatories in the morning or before the workout. This episode is brought to you by Bond Charge, formerly known as Blue Blocks. My favorite light and sleep optimization company, Blue Blocks, has rebranded themselves as Bond Charge. They're now involved with a huge range of evidence-based products to improve your wellness and life in every way. Their extensive range of premium wellness products helps you to sleep better, perform better, have more energy, recover faster, balance your hormones, and reduce inflammation. My favorites are their red light light bulbs because they can be used to create a melatonin-friendly environment in your bedroom by shining only red and not blue or green light waves that will reduce your sleep quality. After starting to use these red light light bulbs, I find it much easier to fall asleep and feel less awake before bed. If you want to try out these amazing products that are the cornerstones to my most optimal sleep, then head over to bondcharge.com forward Seamland and use the code SEAM15 to save 15%. <clears throat> will, will a supplement in gelatin cap break 
a fast, an autophagy. <laughs> no, it uh, probably doesn't. And uh, yeah, it's like, first of all, it's so small and the gelatin is made of, you know, collagen and uh, it's non um, like insulinogenic and it doesn't actually stimulate mTOR compared to other uh, amino acids. What to do against snacking sweets all the time? So uh, obviously it's, you need to control your environment. Like if you have a ton of snacks around your house, like if you have a bowl of like, I don't know, nuts or candies next to your uh, computer, then yeah, chances are you'll snack on it. Uh, or if, you're, if you know that your fridge has some sweets and snacks, then yeah, you're gonna eventually want to eat it. So it's better to control your environment as much as you can. And uh, second of all, you also need to practice some form of like mm, prefrontal cortex control uh, so like your neocortex that regulates your you know self control and impulse control and those type of things and if you lack that you don't have enough like your know, mindfulness and uh, this um, self-awareness then um, it uh, will you know make you snack eventually so things like meditation breath work sleeping sleeping well making sure you're not stressed out exercising regularly those things will also enable you to be more disciplined in that scenario. Tips for a good sleeping routine. So, uh, you know, block blue light, sleep in darkness, uh, stop eating at least three or four hours before bed, get uh, daylight, get uh, sunlight in the morning, uh, reg regular exercise, don't uh, like eat very spicy foods before bed, you know, kind of common uh, practices. Thoughts on dairy and testosterone, I've seen conflicting results. So yeah, um, you know, dairy, can be very anabolic for sure. It can help with muscle growth because it has high amounts of IGF-1. It has, you know, some protein and growth factors, things like that. Uh, but the problem is that dairy is also very estrogenic. So especially if it's uh, factory dairy. So it will have, even like raw dairy, this uh, raw whole milk, it still is quite estrogenic uh, because of the fats, the dairy fats and uh, the high anabolic like um, compounds in it. So it can be very estrogenic uh, for males. Yeah, like I wouldn't actually recommend consuming like a whole lot of dairy, especially fatty dairy or full fat dairy because of the estrogenic comp component. And yeah, you may, you know, you just get uh, too much estrogen from that. Uh, like leaner dairy probably is fine. Like if you consume like cottage cheese, then that's probably not an issue. But if you consume like yeah, too much raw milk that has the fat there, then yeah, you probably end up getting too much estrogen from that, even if it's, yeah, like the raw whole milk. Mm, uh, let's leave the, the factory estrogenic cows up as a side, even if it's like, you know, grass-fed cows and the raw dairy, then it's probably too estrogenic. It's perfect for females, actually. Yeah, like females would be greatly benefiting from uh, the raw dairy and raw milk, but males, not so much. I would stick to, yeah, leaner dairy products like cottage cheese or curd, uh, and uh, yeah, not consume like a whole lot of, let's say, uh, fatty dairy and uh, raw milk. Some people don't recommend restricted eating due to stress for a body. What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, by that logic, then you shouldn't exercise either. Like exercise is probably more stressful for you than uh, time eating. And um, there are small, this hormetic stress has been, you know, very proven to be beneficial for the body in many reasons. Uh, even like if you're not in a calorie deficit, time sheet eating can be beneficial for, yeah, your metabolic health, insensitivity, blood pressure, circadian rhythm, sleep quality, and many things. So, uh, yeah, that logic that it's stressful it doesn't make sense because, yeah, exercise is stressful, sauna is stressful, cold is stressful, uh, and uh, different kinds of uh, foods can also be stressful. 
but of course you can overdo it if you fast for too much or you're under too much calorie restriction then yeah it can be stressful so it's much rather the amount of the stress rather than the stress itself so instead of being like you know zero policy against time received eating you need to know how to you know modify it for yourself only carbs such as fruits and smoothie juices in the morning yes or not why <laughs> um, well in the morning you know i wouldn't recommend consuming carbs first of all you know you're gonna probably crash a little bit with your blood sugar levels eventually and uh, that can make you hungry again cause cravings and you know if you're able to tolerate that that's fine but from a fat burning side and growth hormone side it also makes sense to kind of stay lower carb for the um, like a longer time period besides that there's also the risk of if you're consuming only these fruit juices and smoothies that have no protein then that can also yeah just lead to muscle catabolism and uh, muscle loss so yeah instead of having like only fruits only carbs you should have like some protein there as well that would help you to actually turn on the protein synthesis mm -mm -mm. will taking methylene blue hinder muscle growth too similar to turmeric uh, no that's not the case uh, methylene blue this mm, i don't know like cognitive enhancer or antiviral supplement uh, no it doesn't not that i know of rank fisetin spermidine quercetin and resveratrol so I think out of those, spermidine is probably the best supplement. Uh, so it has like very beneficial anti-aging effects. It boosts, boosts autophagy and uh, helps with hair growth and things like that. But um, yeah, I would put spermidine as the top, number one. Then fisetin, number two, because it's analytic and it you know, helps with NAD. Quercetin, number three, good for the immune system, but not in uh, excess and lastly resveratrol is kind of the shit here <laughs> i don't think that the yeah, resveratrol is uh, that good because you know first of all it hasn't been actually proven to have any like real benefits or no no at least like in like long term um enough of humans to have like metabolic benefits or longevity benefits and uh, it can also actually interfere with uh, muscle growth and uh, physical performance so yeah i don't think that it's kind of worth it to take it plus it's like much more expensive than for what you're getting. Is there a metabolic window to break a fast after strength training? Well, uh, you know, your protein synthesis would stay elevated for even 24, 48 hours after resistance training. So you could, you would, need, you would be fine if you eat anything within that time window. <laughs> but uh, obviously, there's like more, more benefits to consuming it closer or sooner. So I think that uh, you're fine if you wait around like three or four hours max. Nothing's gonna happen if you uh, eat only like three or four hours later. If you wait eight hours, then yeah, probably you're gonna start to lose some muscle and strength. Mm, uh, especially if you have worked out fasted. If you ate before the workout, then yeah, you can even fast 12 hours with no issues. But if you work out fasted, then yeah, you want, want to eat at least two or maybe three or four hours after the workout. You don't need to do it immediately after the workout. There's no um, reason to do that. But yeah, you're waiting at least three or four is kind of the max where you can get away with uh, no issues. Is baked liver still good or raw the only good way? I think, yeah, mm, theoretically, yeah, like the raw liver has all the nutrients, but it's also, you know, harder to break down raw protein um, and uh, raw fats and things. So, um, yeah like it maintains more of the nutrients but your body also has to exert more energy breaking down 
the liver to obtain those nutrients. So it doesn't make sense to eat the raw liver. Um, like cooking it slightly is probably better than uh, raw and um, it's definitely also better than overcooking it. So if you completely fry your liver, boil it for too long, then yeah, you will lose uh, a significant amount of the nutrients, not all of them, but significant more than raw liver. But like simmering the liver a little bit, heating it up a little bit, is probably mo more, more optimal for digestion and actually breaking down the nutrients. Because yeah, like if it's raw, your body loses a lot of energy digesting raw things, like especially protein. So uh, protein already has a high thermic effect, so you lose a lot of calories digesting the protein. If it's raw, you're going to lose even more. Uh, energy doing that. So slightly cooking it um, basically increases the bioavailability of the protein as well as the nutrients. But you don't want to overcook it. So there's like a sweet spot. I like to, yeah, just keep it a little bit, you know, simmered, a bit uh, steamed, something like that, not overcooked. Fruit as a primary carb source. So uh, fruit has fructose primarily and, um, you know, fructose is only metabolized by the liver. So uh, there's only like 100, 150 grams of uh, liver glycogen storable in the liver. Any more than that can be harmful for your triglyceride levels. So the excess fructose that goes beyond the liver glycogen stores will be converted to triglycerides. And, um, you know, that can be problematic for your metabolic health and uh, biomarkers. Some of the fructose can also be stored as muscle glycogen, but it's a more energy extensive process again. And uh, yeah, like a primary source of carbs, I don't see that there's a like, reason to do that. So uh, much better to actually just eat glucose and starchy uh, carbohydrates like potatoes and rice because those would be just used for muscle glycogen. And uh, yeah, like some fruit is fine, like a few servings, but only that doesn't make sense from the metabolic, like uh, nutrient partitioning side. If your muscle glycogen is able to store only glucose, then why would you eat fructose, <laughs> especially for exercising? Cold shower in the morning after bed is bad for muscle growth. Not at that point. So if you've uh, waited at least like 12 hours after the workout, then you can yeah, take a cold shower and it's not going to be a problem at all. Red light just after a workout, good or bad? Uh, no, there's actually yeah plenty of studies showing that the red light is beneficial for um, recovery as well as actually the gains and the results you get from training. So usually the studies are actually done that they do the red light before. So this kind of preconditioning hormesis that... Uh, kind of primes your body to um, get better results from the workout. After a workout, it can help with recovery and, um, you know, adaptations as well. But, you know, ideally you want to do a little bit before and then afterwards. But if you do it only afterwards, then it's still quite good. How to prevent high blood sugar levels after a fasted workout? Well, it's going to happen <laughs> inevitably. Um, sometimes if you're like too much caffeine, you, you got too much caffeine or you're just too exercising too much, then the blood sugar can raise excessively. But yeah, I mean, the rise in blood sugar after workout is inevitable and it's kind of fine at that point. Almost 50, wanting to work out more often, but I feel wiped exercising five days per week. Tips. Well, yeah, you know, exercising five times a week is uh, fine. It's actually very good to do that regularly. Uh, if you're feeling wiped and too tired, exhausted from that, then just reduce the intensity of the workouts or reduce the duration. You don't have to do like an hour or an hour and a half every day. You can even do 30 minutes and that will already be good enough. What I like to do is just, you know, have a heavy and high intensity day, low intensity day, high intensity day, low intensity day. So there is like some rest in between the days. You don't want to do like two heavy sets or two heavy days in a row all the time. That 
that will yeah just wipe you out does caffeine affect workout uh, muscle growth so caffeine obviously taken it before has is you know one of the best like ergogenic supplements one of the best performance enhancing supplements um, if you drink it as coffee then a drink <laughs> and uh, obviously it helps with workout performance a lot it only appears to work the best if you're like sensitive to the caffeine if you're used to consuming caffeine your body gets used to it it adapts to the adrenaline and stuff so you get less effects so if you want to get the best effect for a workout or like competition then you need to cycle off the caffeine for a little bit before that so you would be sensitive and then use it on the workout day or the on the competition then you would see the best results from a muscle group and you know because of that because of the enhanced performance you get that also translates into more strength and uh, more muscle growth if you're able to lift heavier and lift uh, if you're stronger from that from a post-workout side then caffeine helps you to replenish muscle glycogen as well uh, so it can help with indirectly muscle growth through that but uh, the biggest effect probably comes from just the enhanced energy and enhanced performance pre-workout how much per day and best time to take collagen powder so uh, collagen I think like 10 to 15 grams a day is uh, enough already you don't need to do more than that maybe 20 grams max um, and at the time the best time is uh, I think actually pre-workout so uh, before weight-bearing exercise taking collagen can enhance the bone density stimulus that you get from that so uh, yeah that's the best time to take it uh, I don't think that you need to take it like before bed or anything like that before exercise is the best if you're not exercising then just in the morning or any time when you find it suitable should I avoid using turmeric ginger spices and meal post resistance workouts uh, so, so yeah the turmeric so I think like a whole food turmeric you don't have like that much to worry about if you use it as a spice like if you only use let's say a half teaspoon of turmeric in your spice then it's not that significant taking a turmeric pill or a capsule is yeah definitely what, what you want to avoid but using it spice I mean I don't use it uh, I do try to deliberately avoid the spices after a workout to yeah minimize any potential inhibition of mTOR or anything like that uh, so yeah like I mean if you want to be completely safe then don't use any spices and these anti-inflammatories after workout um, but uh, definitely don't take the supplements that's the biggest thing top supplements to speed up recovery post-workout uh, I think creatine essential amino acids protein uh, no specific supplement would do that besides just giving getting your body uh, protein and amino acids so maybe creatine is the only one like a specific supplement but yeah you want to just eat carbs and protein is the best <laughs> recovery and the muscle growth uh, supplement higher protein at lunch versus dinner so uh, from a circadian rhythm side then your body is more sensitive to protein synthesis in the daytime so having like higher protein at uh, lunch or brunch or even breakfast would be better for muscle growth and muscle maintenance um, but uh, on the other hand if you're like doing a lot of fasting then uh, having a higher protein dinner can also be good for like giving a body enough amino acids for the coming fast so if you eat dinner and you fast for you know 20 hours after that then yeah you need to have like a meal that has significant amount of amino acids and protein in that uh, but and uh, the best protein for that is like casein which you get from like casein protein or uh, cottage cheese or dairy sources uh, so it's, uh, it's more like slower to digest I think that you know at the end of the day it doesn't matter that much but um, from a circadian side then uh, lunch is better for the high protein but uh, if you're fasting a lot then dinner can be also 
quite uh, good. How to stimulate stomach acid naturally before protein meals. So apple cider vinegar uh, is probably the best. Swedish bitters is a good one. And um, you also want to you know, stimulate some bile if it's a protein that has some fats. So like leafy green vegetables uh, do that. But you don't want to like drink a lot of liquids. That can be bad for the stomach acid. What do you think the average lifespan will be by 2050? So 2050, which is like about 25 years from now, 28. Uh, I think uh, by that time, you know, the the average lifespan will probably be like maybe for the average person who doesn't like, you know, really take care of their health that much. It's gonna be like maybe 90 or 100 at max, uh, because yeah, they're just because, just by virtue of the advancement of medical technologies and access to healthcare, will already increase the health span. Or not the health span, like lifespan, by at least a few decades. And but the problem is that the quality of your health of your lifespan isn't that good. You will still be on meds and stuff, and uh, you'll suffer in different ways. But if you take care of yourself, if you are you know healthy, you follow the biohacks, and you actually you know invest in your different kinds of more advanced regenerative technologies like stem cells or whatever. Uh, which probably will be cheaper in the future, then uh, by that time you could maybe yeah, live to like 110, 120. So I don't think there's going to be like this massive breakthrough within the next two decades where you'll be living until like 300 years old or something, unless something yeah like really drastic happens. So I think, yeah, yeah, like it's still going to be like a few decades longer, the average lifespan, but not like 100 years. Because, yeah, we need a lot more, <laughs> a lot more advanced uh, stuff uh, to achieve that, I think. What do you think about getting thirsty, no water during workouts as a hormetic stress? So um, dehydration, acclimation is a, like a legitimate thing and protocol many athletes can use and have used. So uh, what essentially is that if your body is used to being slightly dehydrated, then it also becomes more acclimated to the heat and um, as a result, you'll be able to like exercise a bit longer. Of course, it's like a double-edged sword. If you do it too much, then your performance will suffer and you'll risk getting cramps and those kind of things. But um, you know, you don't want to overhydrate either all the time. There are some workouts, like lighter workouts, primarily like cardiovascular workouts, where you want to do them like slightly, you know, underwatered, <laughs> like not completely dehydrated, but slightly underwatered, um, is uh, good. You don't want to be completely thirsty, but you know. You don't want to be like peeing every 10 minutes or 30 minutes either. What do you think about pain as a hormetic stress using microneedles on the scalp? <laughs> um, well, from the maybe acupuncturist, yeah, can be probably beneficial for treating some pain or things like that. I haven't used it myself, but there are some studies that suggest that it could be beneficial for some aspects of pain management. But uh, pain itself is probably not good for uh, like longevity, like if you experience chronic pain of any kind, then just even the psychological stress you experience from that is uh, not good for longevity. So you don't want to be in pain, whether emotional pain or um, or physical pain, chronically all the time. To do, do, do typical day of eating, please. So um, I wake up mm, in a few hours. I'll drink some coffee. Sometimes it has like some um, like it, sometimes it's a cappuccino. Sometimes it's a black coffee. Uh, then I'll uh, at lunchtime I'll usually either drink a protein shake or um, work out with a protein shake, which gives me like maybe um, 100 calories, 150 calories, something like that, 20 or 30 grams of protein. Then um, 
after the workout I'll just eat which um, in the evening usually eat like maybe 5 6 p.m. and that's gonna be um, you know some fish meat uh, some uh, carbs potatoes mm, sweet potato fries are nice and uh, some uh, vegetables cauliflower broccoli some leafy greens tomatoes cucumber that's kind of the main course uh, then I'll have like a small dessert as well with some fruit maybe some um, yeah cottage cheese those kind of things so pretty much pretty simple next question there's big circles in health community obsessed with mold and others who ignore entirely uh, well I do think that mold can be certainly an issue so moldy houses water damaged houses moldy foods like coffee beans molded for sure it can have you know some uh, bad effects on people who are sensitive to it they may get inflammation they may get brain fog they may get headaches uh, those kind of things chronic fatigue like that uh, but others yeah i personally don't feel anything or yeah i can live like a, in a moldy house and not feel anything i can eat maybe like mold or drink moldy coffee or something uh, because yeah i just don't feel anything or i'm pretty not sensitive to it my wife actually is quite sensitive to that and uh, so yeah there are like differences in people probably uh, generally I would yeah suggest that you know if you can of course avoid it at all costs make sure that your house is uh, not water damaged and there's no like moldy things uh, growing there but yeah you have to like see uh, what your symptoms are and if you get any symptoms I think how to stop testosterone to estrogen conversion in males so uh, yeah continuing on with the previous question so uh, you know biggest converter of testosterone to estrogen is body fat so aromatase so your body will aromatase um, testosterone into estrogen if you have too much body fat so losing weight is the best thing for your testosterone levels and even being like you know somewhat chubby uh, i think anything like above 15 percent body fat you're converting testosterone into estrogen at a high rate and um, you know, optimally as a male you want to be around like 10 to 12 percent body fat something like that and at that range you probably don't at least to a significant degree you don't experience any aromatization mm. performance enhancing drugs like steroids and things like that can also probably do that if you have like some unnatural big spikes in your testosterone which happens like during puberty uh, naturally that can also convert this or that's why like some uh, teenagers get like this gynecomastia they're not taking steroids as a teenager it's just that their body produces this huge amount of testosterone very quickly and uh, your body like oh okay we have too much testosterone we convert it into estrogen from the puberty uh, surge so i uh, think that so you don't want to have like any of these unnatural spikes in testosterone uh, naturally things happen slowly over time so don't take steroids don't take performance enhancing drugs um, you know puberty is you know inevitable <laughs> and you have to go through that uh, but uh, yeah lose weight don't like you know consume estrogenic foods i think even like <laughs> like dairy is probably more estrogenic than um, like flax seeds or other like these xenoestrogenic foods uh, maybe like avoid soy as a male but i don't think you need to avoid the flax seeds or like that uh, peppermint is also said to be estrogenic but yeah like i said i think raw dairy is probably more estrogenic than peppermint if you drink peppermint tea for example uh, so yeah like just extra estrogenic fats uh, those kind of things tips to heal enhance eyesight well i think the best way to prevent losing your eyesight is to protect them so uh, 
you know, obviously the artificial light from the screens is the biggest damager probably to your eyesight. So uh, minimize screen time, or if you do use the computer, then you know, look at outside, do some eye exercises. In our modern life, we are very like myopic with everything. We are just looking at the screen all the time, which is very close. Like the, you know, the furthest thing we look at is probably only like 10 meters away in our everyday life, uh, especially if you live in the city. Uh, so that's why you need to actually look into things into the distance look at things that are 100 200 meters away So practice that because that's gonna you know prevent this myopia and the damage to the eyes You can also do like eye exercises like you know massage your eyeballs squeeze them a little bit softly um, you know, Look at look into the distance do like eye like the circles those kind of things back and forth side by side up and down um, take eye breaks, massage, don't look into the sun, <laughs> that's bad. Um, if you are, let's say in high altitudes, use like some sunglasses or uh, different kinds of glasses that uh, filter out some of the radiation from the sun. If you're on airplanes, that's especially a good time to do that. So because you're so high, you're already exposed to radiation and things like that. And the kind of the brightness is also so uh, big up in the air that it will damage your eyes. So turn down the curtains when you're flying or use like sunglasses and things like that. Don't look into bright lights, artificial lights directly. Um, you can use different filters to soften that. There's uh, obviously blue blockers that are very beneficial. There's also the see-through lens glasses that uh, you see like a normal glass, but it filters out some of the blue light, which is very beneficial. And uh, Bond Charge also has like the healthy sunglasses. <laughs> so uh, you don't wanna be pretty much, you know, blocking out all the light when you're wearing sunglasses. And Bond Charge has the sunglasses that filters out most of the blue light, but it lets through the red light. So you still get the beneficial red light to the eyes that is actually beneficial for the eyes. So red light therapy is good for the eyes. Uh, if you don't look at directly into it, but like some aspects of red light actually has been shown to benefit eyes and reverse macular degeneration. From a diet side, then I think excess inflammation obviously is bad. Too much uh, canola oil, too much just uh, inflammatory foods, and not enough antioxidants, not enough uh, EPA, DHA, the omega-3 fats, olive oil is good for the eyes. Uh, so yeah you can structure it like that but the biggest one is probably protecting it from excess blue light and uh, excess kind of uh, brightness if i get deeply bloated from probiotics what can be the reason <laughs> so um, probiotics they can bloat you if you're getting too much of a specific strain so uh, yeah with the microbiome it's a matter of balance not giving yourself too many probiotics. If you just take like a ton of probiotics, then yeah, you get bloated or some dysbiosis in some other way. So you have to be pretty careful with how much probiotics you're taking, which ki which type. So there is no like, like um, you know, throw paint to the wall <laughs> kind of probiotic that uh, you can take. I think it's always has to be individualized and, you know, make sure that uh, you're not taking something that you're already getting too, mu too much of or something that um, you're, um, you know, kind of sensitive to. I much rather get the probiotics from whole foods that uh, the, eat the foods that feed the good bacteria, like some fermented foods, apple skins, different polyphenols, blueberries, cranberries, those kind of things. All right, last question, rapamycin, yes or no? So I've made some videos about this. I think that, yeah, rapamycin is the most powerful anti-aging drug out there. I think in the future, when we get more studies, it's definitely interesting to see what kind of effect it could have. Um, yeah, I think it has anti-aging effects. We don't know how much you you should take uh, or how long you should take it. 
there is some evidence to suggest that you can only take it for a short period of time and get the same benefits in animals. But uh, yeah, we don't know how much you need as a human and uh, what are some other consequences. Because yeah, it is an immunosuppressive drug and can inhibit muscle growth. So it needs to be a balance. I think, you know, in some periods, occasionally to take it can be good probably in some anti-aging protocol. I haven't, you know, found enough evidence to create a protocol for it, I don't know like what is the right dosage or right, what's the right protocol to minimize the side effects. But yeah, maybe like once a month or something like that, uh, we'll leave <laughs> we'll leave the question up in the air like that. But yes or no, I would say, you know, obviously yes for uh, medical patients. Um, no, if you're like very young and you don't need to take it. So in your maybe 40s, it could be somewhat to consider, but uh, not if you're uh, already young and you like need to maintain immune immunity and uh, muscle mass. All right, that's it for this uh, Q&A. If you want to ask yourself a question, then uh, follow me on Instagram at Seamlund and uh, stick around for the next Q&A. Other than that, thanks for watching this video. Make sure you click the like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name is Seam. Stay optimized, stay empowered.